This is Joe Loader Perez from Blizzard Watch, and you're listening to the Training Dummies. Wait, I'm Earth and he's fire. Shouldn't you be wind? With Rob, Earth, wind, and fire. And Daryl. Quiet! Or do you want to get sued? All right, welcome to episode 248 of the Training Dummies, recorded on March 12th, 2000, no, yeah, 2020, wow, almost fumbled on the year there. Um, it's been quite a year, that must be why. Uh, my name is Daryl, and uh, with me as always, is, as always is my co-host Rob. How are you doing this evening, Rob? We, uh, we're, we're not cancelled, we just take breaks. Long breaks, long, long mm-hmm. breaks. But we're back. Thanks for asking. No problem. I'm doing, I'm doing... I don't know. I'm on the verge of getting sick, but uh, but I re- I'm I feel like you know how you can just like decide you're not gonna get sick sometimes and it works. Okay. So, I don't know if you've ever if you've ever done that. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, I think I'm gonna try to willpower my way out of this. All right. One, so yeah, yeah. I have faith. I have faith in you. I accept. All right. And with us tonight, and we have a guest. So, so with us tonight, it's a repeat guest. Um, looking back, he was on almost a year ago, but because of our break, it was really only eight episodes ago. But let's give a big uh, training dummies welcome to Joe Loder Perez. <laughs> How you doing? I, I love, I love the fact that you guys have uh, have the the. Uh, soundboard stuff. I love it. it makes me <laughs> no, it's, it's live. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. Our kids can all go to bed now. Now that they've done that. <laughs> but thanks for having me back, guys. I'm really happy to be here. All right. You're uh, you're practically a third chair now, especially with it being only eight episodes ago, right? Yeah. No kidding, eh? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm okay with that. We're not a news show, but I'm going to hijack a minute here and just say. Thank you to Baby Yoda or whoever it was that got the uh, account wide essences finally pushed through, and somebody somewhere was like, "Oh wow, this does make sense." So, yeah, there's your news for you. What do you guys feel about that, Joe? Are you you happy about that? Uh, remind me again the rating that I'm allowed to be in as far as what I say, <laughs> like cursing wise. Um, well, we we uh, Daryl's the one doing all the the murgles and gurgles, but. I'll write down a timestamp if you say something you shouldn't. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, no, I'm actually really, really, really excited about it. I think it's a great quality of life change, especially uh, I was recently just talking with folks about coming back to the game with alts because if the Battle for Azeroth was not exactly alt friendly, no. and like at the end, that's usually when you want to be alt friendly. So at least they're doing something right. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's nice too because some of the essences, like some of the best essences for a lot of class, were like Eternal Palace. Um, what is it? Condensed Life Force, I think, is the one. Oh yeah. Nobody wants to go back and raid Condensed Life Force on their alt over and over and over to get rank three because that took how many months to get that in the first place, right? At least two months. So no one wants heroic, to do that yeah, again. Even in heroic, grinding that out. Yeah. Same so with Mechagon I, with the uh, the other one for for healers because that the best one dropped from there at the end, but you had to do so many runs to oh, get enough yeah. to put it together like yeah, yeah actually i just finally got that on my warlock because apparently it's the best one for my warlock too so i actually just did that by by uh you can queue for heroic and do it on repeat to get it but it's only like a 25 percent chance drop of each piece 
Oof. Oof. Yeah, I know. So you can you can chain Q for it, but it's still no fun. If you go in with a couple of strong people, it is like it's like a ten or fifteen minute. Yeah. Game. I was yeah, actually surprised by that. Yeah. I was actually surprised with how easy it was. Like I did it the other day on my alt just because I wanted to try to get the chainsword because it's a, I'm playing a Death Knight as my alt and it was done in like ten minutes and I was like, this is not the Mechagon I remember, <laughs> right? <laughs> I yeah, it's pretty there quick. When it first came out and doing a guild run and we had to split it up into a couple of nights and it was yep. yeah yeah oh man some of those mechanics were rough yeah still getting the twitches from those accidental hard modes <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice. right yeah. Well, we are we're back and we're here and we're going to talk about uh, not account white essences, but we're going to talk about the the story because that's uh, Joe's one of our favorite guests when it comes to recapping the lore and the stories here that we love so much. So, what do you? We spoke with you last, kind of left off uh, with old deer, I believe it was the first very first tier of raiding, mm-hmm. kind of heading into the Battle of Desar lore. Yep. So I don't know if there's the uh, the Cracker Jack TLDR version of of story leading up to that, if you want to just do the quick and dirty. Sure. So before we get to Desire Lore, which is kind of a perfect kind of end cap to this, really, uh, the Alliance and the Horde have been kind of going at each other's throats due to the actions of both sides, but mostly really Sylvanas, because she really did not like that tree. Uh, so <laughs> that we start off in particular, huh? That one tree in particular. <laughs> So after she burned down the house, quite literally, uh, the Alliance got real upset, and then they decided to storm Lordaeron, and then she decided to burn that one down, too. Just instead of using fire, she used plague. And then nobody could live there, because that was really great. Uh, But after some back and forth and some protracted battles between the Alliance and the Horde, um, and whatever happened in Stormsong Valley, because that was just out of left field, okay, uh, Horde aggression for the sake of aggression, which didn't fit any other piece of the story, but we'll, 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 we'll let them have that. Uh, it caps off with them getting ready to essentially have retaliation uh, from the Alliance against the Horde, with the Alliance having set in plan, aim, uh, set in motion a plan to draw out the defenders from the city, so all the heroes from Desar Alor, and to actually take the city, the, the troll capital. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's really, really a short version. There's a lot of stuff in between there, well, folks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you can listen to our past episode <laughs> and get all those juicy tidbits. Uh, but Desire Lore is actually really interesting because it's the first time that you see the Alliance being really underhanded and really actually making use of their spy op section. And they really don't do that. Like, the only other time we had them do that was with uh, the Siege of Ironforge, right? When Anduin was held captive. That was it. That was the last time you really saw the spies do spy things. But here, no, they they plant false information, get the defenders away, and then the Horde has to retake the entire city. Um, Sort of the short version of that. We can go into the specifics of it, but the big takeaways from it is Mechatork gets frozen in ice because somehow he's weaker than Gallowix and the rest of the players. I don't know. Uh, Jaina comes back and realizes that she is the... Uh, bad MF and queen of all things ice and storm, uh, and with a really, really dang cool encounter uh, that mm-hmm. ends with, I don't want to say a whimper, but like she could have killed everybody and she just didn't really. Uh, and yeah, then she kind of noped out. She totally noped, yeah. noped out at the yeah. end. And then the big thing, which is the death of the king of the trolls, 
and the installment of his daughter as queen under the uh, watchful guidance of Blom Sandi, our favorite lovable Loa of death. Do you remember before we started recording, I was like, you know, I don't want to get sidetracked. <laughs> and gosh it. dang it, man, but what the heck happened to Blom Sandi and the curse that got put on to, uh, to Lanji and all, all that? So a lot of that, I think, is set up... It, it, Here's the weird thing. So a lot of stuff that happens in this raid isn't just set up for what happens afterwards. It's a lot of setup that actually hap- is going to be paid off in Shadowland, which is very, very interesting. I think it's the first time that they've really dropped a uh, really heavy lore nugget mm-hmm. for the next expansion that early. And mm-hmm. because like he's the low of death, we find out that he has a boss that he's working right. for. Uh, he definitely wants Talanji to be in power. He wants Sylvanas dead. Uh, well, dead again. And we don't really know specifically why. We assume that it's from his boss, which a lot of people think it's Moizala. Uh, but we have no idea. I personally still think it's Helia. Um, and we're going to get that payoff in Shadowlands because while nobody's talked about this like at all since BlizzCon, they flat out said we're going to the other side. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going there with Vol'jin. We're going to go do stuff. And it is specific to the Shadowlands. So that nugget is all those loose threads with Talanji, all those loose threads with Wamsamdi. We get no payoff the rest of the expansion until Shadowlands, which was a weird, weird choice. But I'm not mad at it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Well, in that same vein, have we have they told us who told Fulgin to name Sylvanas the, the leader of the Horde? No, um, they have n- said nothing about okay. it. They said that we will find out. Well, I shouldn't say they have said. Um, Mugard has very heavily hinted okay. that we will find out very soon, uh, or at least in Shadowlands, but they right. haven't really said anything. I'm still speculating that it's Helia. Okay, gotcha. That's very interesting. Because mm-hmm. she would be very invested in giving her that power, and if she's trying to break out of the Shadowlands and she's trying to break out, and maybe she's got to deal with the uh, the Jailer. Mm-hmm. That's a real great way to ensure that, hey, you know, if she's the war chief. She can do whatever she wants, including wanton destruction and a whole bunch of death. And death is what we need. Sweet. Let's go for it. Right. Okay. So, so any other questions about Dazar lore? No, because I just don't want to do that. Right now. <laughs> 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 but uh, I think we're I think we're good. I think that's yeah. uh, plenty for now. Um, so does. Dazar lore le- leads way into some of our allied race stuff, which we were talking about, uh, and particularly uh, the new zone of Najatar and dealing with uh, the wonderful world of aquatic creatures inside of a weird tunnel uh, or funnel of water and the Mechanomes, which directly correlates again to Battle for Dazar lore because Mechadork, it's a thing. So, which do you guys want to go through first, Najatar or Mecha? Man. At this point, it's so funny to even say this, but like, I'm so over that content. (laughs) 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 But, okay, uh, Daryl, you pick. (laughs) Let's go Nazitar. Okay. So Nazitar is sort of like the big lead out, and is really, as far as I'm concerned, the start of really what is the meat of the story for the Battle of Azeroth. The war between the the Horde and the Alliance was really legitimately all set up for the Shadowlands. Uh, all of that stuff that that was just pushing us towards whatever happens there. But here we get the actual meat uh, or the beginning parts of that meat of the story for what is essentially old God content. Uh, mm-hmm. We are going to go confront Queen Azjara. Uh Why? Because she is Nazas, number one lady 
and we are going there to take the fight to her kingdom and go and beat her up and and you know stop whatever her nefarious plans are because we have no idea what her nefarious plans are but we're going to stop her anyway and we get to learn a lot about the fallen elven society we get to learn about uh, a lot of how life was there and that's one of the things i liked about this particular zone is you got to actually experience some of the phantom touches of the area finding different shrines different areas and locations that were actually inhabited by night elves at one point or high elves uh and it all leads way into breaking into the Eternal Palace, which is essentially a Titan facility for all intents and purposes, because directly below it, near her throne room, is a prison holding an old god, Nazoth, as he slumbers underneath the city. Uh, the interesting thing about this whole thing is we're taught to believe that Azara is the absolute bad guy here, that she's, you know, completely on Nazoth's side. This is entire setup to show that, no, she's actually not. She was trying to get out from under his thumb because it's Azara. She doesn't want to serve anybody. Mm -hmm. And we kind of mess that up because we're really good at doing that as players. We don't really think ahead. We don't think if there's an alternate method or, or process, we just kind of charge forward and well, whatever happens, happens. Uh, and then, the interesting thing about this to me as well is the playing, not just from uh, Azara's side, but mostly the Nightborn and their interactions inside of the raid zone. Because don't forget, they lived during the time of, you know, the glory of uh, Zinajari, which is mm -hmm. the city essentially we're in. And listening to Theresa go, like, just having reactions to all these places she used to, to know, where she used to be. Uh, it actually made the game, at least this part, feel a little more, I don't want to say heavy, uh, but a little more personable. And that's sort of the the, the idea of Najatar is to, one, give Queen Ajar her moment, mm -hmm. uh, make the Naga actually have a sort of humanish feel, because up until this point, they've just been faceless monsters throughout all the years. We never knew really anything about, you know, their former selves, aside from they were once elves that got corrupted, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and now we actually see that they were people, they were, they had lives, they were part of this society, uh, and then everything happened. And even Queen Ajar, she was faced with a uh, hard choice that Warbringer's uh, cinematic, it plays at the end of sort of a very long quest chain where you see her, if you if you haven't seen this yet, it's her trying to hold back this, this tide to try to save not just the city, but her people. And, I mean, she could have just blinked out of there she could have literally noped out and there were elves elsewhere she could have still led them mm -hmm. she sort of tried to do other things but she actually took a deal a bad deal to save herself and her people and it's one of her more down-to-earth moments i guess you would say mm -hmm. so but that that's the short version of najatar mechagon on the other hand i think is a little more important and i say this just because gnomes have never had a whole lot of background in this game We've had a dungeon, we've had a gnome new starter event and starting zone, but that was really about it. And this was their moment to shine. You get to see that there was an entire society of gnomes, a city underneath the surface of Azeroth that's huge. It's massive. When you go through mm -hmm. here, through there, you can actually see how big this place is. And it's an entire society, and they don't need anybody else. Their technology is way more advanced than anything else they could possibly hope for. Uh, they are probably the most dangerous race on Azeroth because goblins may blow themselves up. Gnomes will absolutely blow you up. Uh, and this <laughs> <Yeah>. raid, <laughs> and this, this mega dungeon cements that, right? Uh, and it makes them feel important. 
And the big payoff from all of this is at the end, you as the player, whether you are a horde or alliance, you take the city back for the quote unquote loyal uh, mechanomes. And Mechatork actually gets installed as the king of all gnomes. And that's sort of an important moment because now he has his own city. He has a standing army. He might actually have the largest single populace on Azeroth. We don't know. Uh, right. And hmm. that's kind of dangerous. And we have no clue what's going to happen with that. But I think he's going to have a bone to pick with some goblins in the near future. Mm-hmm. But that that's the important thing about Mechagon is it installs him as an important character. Again, he's not just an alliance inventor. He's not just, you know, the king of gnomes in, you know, sitting inside of Ironforge anymore. And then you start to think about all the things that the gnomes build for the alliance. Airships were gnomes. Tanks were gnomes. Most of their powerful weaponry were gnomes. And now he's got an entire city that's basically a giant factory. He doesn't need the alliance for protection anymore. He could probably just be his own faction at this point. And it's it's such an important moment, I think, for Gnome. So all those Gnome fans out there, good on you. <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, the the thing, one of the key things you said there that I think, like, I didn't, a lot of us kind of forgot about was, like, how scary it was that we're sitting on this crazy threat. We're just sitting on these people that are these little twisted gnomes. You know, they're like the weird altered gnomes that are really just waiting to for their chance to come in and just kind of wreck everything. I don't think that, I think that kind of got glossed over a little bit. Yeah, I think that was a, a big thing, too, is like, it was. I don't want to say it was downplayed, but I think because it was gnomes, people sort of ignored the fact that it was a planet-wide weapon designed to completely reform everything in the universe, essentially, or everything on Azeroth as mechanomes. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that, the only other technology that we know of that exists on Azeroth that is made to do essentially that planet-scaling thing are Titan facilities, the right. engine of origination, mm-hmm. <laughs> that whole thing. Like, Nothing else has done that before. And that's a very, very scary thought. And now it's in the hands of Mechator because we didn't destroy that weapon. It's still there. We just deposed the king. So they still have access to it. They could still do some really weird stuff. And then you take take a look back at like Ulduar, right? Mm-hmm. Look at uh look at our little mechanized gnome friend watcher over there and his whole plan and everything that happened all in Northrend about replacing gnome bodies and human bodies with robotic parts to bring them closer to the makers and make them more pure. It's not a unique idea. It's something that now is possibly twice as scary because now they're sitting in Mechano or Mechagon mm-hmm. and they could maybe tap into Northrend, which Olduar sort of, and we can get to that in a little bit. Olduar didn't help us with the whole Nazoth thing. They cut off communication. He's up there doing whatever uh, yeah. he's doing. We don't know what he's doing, but I have a feeling it has to do with Mechagon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think that, man, so many of these plot points you kind of either forgot about or they just kind of snuck them in there. You know, everybody was mad about the direction of BFA in terms of, like, what happened with Jaina and how Horde versus Alliance really wasn't that great of a story, you know. But there's so many of these other kind of crazy things going on that it's pretty interesting to when you look at kind of the, I don't know, the the postmortem view of it. Well... And I think that was one of the things that I, I, I hope people will look back on this expansion and realize that while we always talk about having a cohesive story throughout an entire expansion, and a lot of players want that. And even myself as a, as a lore guy, I really want to have cohesive stories. Sometimes you can't do that. You have to accept the fact that the game is 15 years old at this point. Mm-hmm. And one of the things people forget is that a lot of the stories that have been coming to an end 
were half-cocked ideas that started from a bunch of nerds playing D and D in an office late at night. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. you, you, you listen to interviews with Metzen and you listen to interviews with Morheim. Uh, they'll tell you that a lot of the stuff came from their games that they were playing in tabletop or just goofing around or, you know, the, an offhand comment that wouldn't this be cool if, and then they did it and then they painted themselves in a corner. Battle for Azeroth represents something that I don't think World of Warcraft has had up until this point, a fresh start. Think about it. All of the contingents of the past are gone. We no longer have the Titans. Old mm-hmm. gods essentially are defeated at the end of this as we get through Nihilatha, which I, I'll go into in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the old NPCs are either retiring, yeah. uh, all the important story characters are dead, gone, removed, and you have the new guard coming in. So now you have this opportunity for new stories, and this entire expansion has been about planting the seeds for the future of the game. And so a lot of people are complaining about how disparate the different parts were. They really weren't. They all threaded together in 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 specific ways that were cohesive enough to the expansion. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it from the whole like the whole view, they're setting us up for another fifteen years. Yeah, this is uh, the takeaway: is several several expansions deep of content yeah and i mean we talked about that a little bit earlier with the whole shadowlands thing they planted the seeds for that which is going to have repercussions going forward as well because that ties into stuff with the ancients and stuff with the loa and stuff with the history of the trolls who existed on azeroth before the titans even showed up but we have really nothing done with them mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. aside from like they're bad guys they have a couple zones that we go and raid yeah like they're they're laying some really cool story road brickworks here and even throughout Nihilatha, like going into the last part of it, so Nihilatha is sort of the raid finale of the entire battle for Azeroth, and a lot of people are really upset with how this ended. Uh, at the end of the Eternal Palace raid, Nazoth gets freed. We accidentally allow Azjara to steal the power from our hearts of Azeroth. He breaks free, but because we've beat her up too much, she can't enact her plan. So she gets, you know, deboed out of her her palace and is held in captive in this weird altered reality of dream state that is Nihilatha. And so our entire end song is going through and trying to defeat the only old god we have ever seen at, I'll say, full power. Well, he's the weakest out of all of them. We are going to fight an actual old god. And when you walk into Nihilatha for the very, very first time, I don't know about you guys, but that was one of those cool moments for me. And I haven't had a whole lot of those recently in game where I actually just sat there, took my hands off the keyboard and just looked at everything. It was just immense. Here you Mm -hmm. have an entire city of dreams and then you get to from the inside area of the ziggurat to the outside world and you see the big painted sky boxes. Mm -hmm. And this is the world that Nazoth would have if his corruption goes through, if the old god corruption happens. This is a glimpse at a piece of history again kind of putting that endpoint in of seeing what the black empire possibly looked like and as we fight our way through it and we go through we start to learn things like Rathion, who's supposed to be this pure dragon can still technically be touched and corrupted by nazoth because nazoth is at full power he just wasn't before because nazoth was still chained so now right. we have dragon tidbits and lore and things like that that could be possibly nuggets for future expansions we see that you know, throughout this entire thing, Rathion's trying to find the Dragon Isles. We haven't found the Dragon Isles yet. What do you want to oh. bet it's going to be a Shadowlands area that comes up or for that leads or leads into a next, another expansion besides Shadowlands? Dragons will be back again. That's what this told us. Uh, we defeat Nazoth using everything at our, our 
hands, uh, everything that we have at our fingertips to, to actually do so. And what happens? Everything sort of crumbles at the end. And it isn't this big triumphant moment like we had in Legion. There isn't this, we defeat Sargeras. It isn't even this heavy moment of a sword gets plunged into Azeroth. It's just kind of done. Mm. Like, the corruption crumbles, everything goes away. And in a way, it's sort of this weird indicative... It, it, it's almost allegorical to the time of the old gods is gone, right? It's mm -hmm. the final piece of all these things that we have been dealing with since Vanilla WoW, since Cthulhu, since we first even heard the word Titans, is done. Titans are no longer here. Old gods are no longer here. Mm -hmm. It's time to move forward. And what does that mean for us? So now we're going into uncharted territory. And, and again, I'll say this one more time. For those of you listening at home, look at Battle for Azeroth. And if you, if you didn't like this expansion, take a step back and just look at it for what it laid the groundwork for for the future. You don't have to love it. You don't have to even like it. But just appreciate the fact that these story bricks, these, these pieces of, of building that they've been doing is meant to keep this game going for years to come. And that's really, to me, mind-blowing. Yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah, the I I kind of already appreciate this episode. I, and I said this <laughs> ago, but like but like I don't know. I, I I'm not negative towards this so I don't want it to I don't want it to come across that way. But I do feel at times like it wasn't as I don't know, it took a lot of turns and it didn't feel that cohesive and you know, there was a lot of not confusion, but just stuff going on where you're like, come on, guys, you could do better than that. You know, like just all these moments where you're kind of just didn't feel very strong overall. And now, like, you know, taking a step back and seeing some of the story threads that have been, that mm -hmm. been laid out, like I can maybe it's too soon, but I feel like I can appreciate what's what's going on. Even yeah, if it's, it's not going to be like top two or three favorite expansions. But, you know, you got to do you got to put in the work to do a little groundwork to make the pave the way for the story you know and and that's something to really keep in mind too is is again you don't have to love it right and i appreciate that point of view i really really do um i'm not going to say this is my favorite expansion uh, of all time um i'm not going to say that it's the worst expansion of all time for me it's just that that bridging moment like you, looking back at little things like looking at uh horrific visions right like looking at those as as i don't uh, want to Get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but, but look at them from a story <laughs> scenario, look right? At look at it. <laughs> but think of it in terms of that, right? Like we have again, it's another that that dying of the old guard. We have uh Stormwind with the death of you know all these these main characters and the corruption of all of these main characters, their removal, and the same thing with the horde side. It's another sort of allegorical thing where it's like the the time for these these pieces are is done. Mm -hmm. Right, uh, oh, okay. it, it's sort of an, it's sort of important from that perspective. Um, I personally hate them as a game mechanic, <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate what they represent. Like it's Stormwind no longer becoming as important because Stormwind no longer exists. It's Alaria, somebody who has existed in this game uh, or or just in the story for at this point almost thirty years between all the games. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and now. It's her moment of death. It's her moment of no longer being done, her story running its course. But it also opens up another story thread for the future. It's this is what the void can do. It's now sure the old gods are gone. You still have the void to deal with. There's still this reminder. Like, I, I don't know if people notice or if you guys have found this, but 
there are ethereals inside of each of the horrific visions. They're not part of Nazoth's plan. Mm-hmm. They're there. They're inside of these visions because they're scouting. And what do we know about their home planet? Koresh was completely consumed by Void. It's the only planet we know of that was completely consumed by Void. We even saw it in Legion in the Astromancer fight. It's there in the background with the tentacles of Void like mm-hmm. wrapping around oh, okay. it. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Why would they be going into the vision of of Nazoth, this thing that he's the simulation that he's running? Why would they be there if they weren't planning to do something with that to maybe retake their home to learn how the void works? Yeah, they're looking for opportunities, basically. Hmm. So I I think that's another point of setup. So that's sort of the overall short version of all the stories. So now I'm going to turn it over to you guys to ask me any questions you have, because I'm sure you got a bunch. Okay, so I actually just discovered this. I want to say it was last night or the night before. In the horrific vision, the ethereal, there's an ethereal you can talk to. And and I've seen those crystals around before. And I've mm-hmm. clicked on them and they didn't do anything. But I actually saw this ethereal and I went, I'm like, oh, who's that? And I, you could click on him and talk to him. And he wants you to collect those crystals and then come back to him. So I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't even oh, realize yeah, that was yeah, a thing. Yeah. I, I had no idea. This, I literally discovered this like last night or the night before. I can't remember. Whatever night I did the, my last vision, I'm like, oh, wow. I had no idea this was a thing. So what are we collecting those crystals for? What, is it, what do they want them for? Do we know? See, that's the thing. We don't. But going back to some, going back to the last expansion, going back to Legion, going back to Argus, what do we know about crystals? Crystals hold memories. Crystals hold power. Sometimes crystals are even entities. They are living creatures. And the one specific thing about these is they're not just called crystals. They're odd crystals. They are very different from anything else you experience in any of the visions. Mm-hmm. They look almost like the prism keys that we dealt with way back in Burning Crusade when we were dealing with ethereals then mm-hmm. in a negative context. They look like crystals that used to exist in um, Karazhan during Karazhan 1.0 in the ethereal sections and now they're here, but they look like they're soaking up pieces of the void and you're giving them to this ethereal. We have no idea what he's doing with it. He just pays us with some mementos and a, yeah, yeah. a chest and then flutters off into uh, through teletransmatting across the universe. But I don't think that's just incidental. I don't think it's just a nice way to farm, you know, those mementos, I think it is something that will come into play later, probably towards the end of Shadowlands. I never even considered that. I I uh I see those guys in there and it's just it's a mechanic to me, you know. I don't I don't <laughs> look at that. Wait a minute. He's got us <laughs> collecting his stuff for him. I didn't even know Wait it was a, a thing what's, until yeah. What's he doing with those? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Do you what's what's your take on the visions? Or the way that the the way that all that played out? Because I know that there's been some uh, frustration with like the grandeur of Nazoth and and the you know the whole old gods thing and how it's basically boiled down to a couple of rehashed assets and and I don't know. So I said feel. this, and I think it's all on a perception, right? Like, yeah, from a player standpoint and a mechanic standpoint, it's not as special as if they created whole new zones or whole new encounters or whole new everything. Because how many times have we gone through the Seas of Orgrimmar? How many times have we gone through something that, that yeah. deals directly with those cities in any capacity? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But you have to you have to take a step back and think about it. Nazoth is, is, again, the weakest of the old gods. 
his entire purpose is to convince people to do what he wants them to do. And if you look at the horrific visions, this isn't Nazoth's making necessarily. This is basically Nazoth running a simulation of your worst fears in each scenario. And I, I mentioned this on Lore Watch, and I mentioned this on the Blizzard Watch podcast, that you are essentially the holodeck for this scenario. He's trying to break you down. He's trying to convince you that there is no way but his way. Because just like demons in Supernatural or angels in Supernatural, you have to sort of agree to let him in, right? So uh, servitude is better than... Domination. Gotcha, okay. And it makes you start to think about what he did with Deathwing. Mm -hmm. Is this what happened? We know that he was hearing the whispers of an old god. We know that it was Nazoth now. Uh, was it not necessarily that, you know, he dominated him, but he just convinced him to work for him? We saw that with Azjara. He offered Azjara the branch. He didn't take it. He didn't just consume her and warp her. She had mm -hmm. to agree to it. Right. And that's what he's trying to do with us. So if you look at it from the perspective of not just a rehashed asset, but sort of the naked weakness of Nazoth, I think it plays a lot better. You know, I... I I am happy that you say that. I know uh, I'm a little behind on a couple things. I hadn't heard heard your perspective on that yet. But I gotta I gotta dispute you on one thing. Okay. The, uh, uh, Nizoth being the weakest of the old gods. Mm -hmm. uh, I went into LFR earlier. <laughs> holy f, dude! <laughs> Nizoth is not the weakest. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, I mean, don't forget, this is the first time that we have ever faced an old god at full power. Good grief, man. That was yeah. that was unreal. <laughs> now, imagine if Yasharaj hadn't been plucked out of Azeroth like a pimple. We had to fight that one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. No, that's... You know, gosh, man. I feel like we, we need to have you on more often. It's, it's like you kind of get caught up in the echo chamber sometimes, and there's the flow of, like... <laughs> frustration going on and then somebody comes in and goes nah man <laughs> cool and you're like you know what it is cool well i'm glad to be that i'm glad to be that little voice in the in the darkness and, and i and i get it right like I'll, that's one well, of the things servant of nizoth and you're just trying to get me to drink the kool-aid and then i'm <laughs> i was i was 100 paid in tentacles for this endorsement <laughs> nice. how many but, uh, how many mementos did you get to en enough to fill out my trees <laughs> But no, what you say there is 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 very important, I think, too. Like, we get so caught up in whether it's our guilds or sometimes the Twitter echo chamber or or discords where we're surrounded by some people that that all have the same perspective. And that's good. But mm -hmm. sometimes you need to have a different perspective. And that's one of the things we, we try to do a lot with, uh, or at least I've been trying to do with with Lore Watch and, and now being on the Blizzard Watch show, trying to bring different perspectives to things mm -hmm. to get players to think about things differently. And I'm not going to ever claim that World of Warcraft is a perfect game. It's far from it. But I think we get so caught up in, you know, what we've already done and where we are mm -hmm. that we sometimes can't see the forest or the trees. And so take, being able to take a step back and have somebody be that voice, whether it's, you know, Rossi for me or me for you guys or whoever, it helps us sort of just look at that different perspective and maybe see things a little bit different. Yeah, I love it. And thank you again. Hey, no worries. <laughs> What are, what are the questions you got for me? <laughs> yeah, before we dig in a little more, Daryl, what do you got? Um, so, kind of the the event that sparked this whole expansion was 
was this giant sword being jabbed into the planet, Azerite leaking out, that caused the war fighting over the Azerite tribe, blah, blah, blah. What's going on with that sword? Like, it's just kind of left by the wayside, it feels like. Like, is there is there something I missed? Like, like what's happening with it? We haven't really healed the planet. There's still this giant sword sticking out of her side. So there's a couple theories, right? Uh, there's a couple things that I've come up with. I don't know if any of them are true. Uh, if they are and somebody's out there listening and you, you know the truth of it, let me know. Uh, but there are a couple important things to understand about the sword. First of all, it's Titan energy, right? It's not an actual sword. It is a piece of Titan just like Azeroth. The problem is Azeroth is too young to understand what to do with. So Azeroth would, in theory, if they were a full-grown Titan, and we've seen sort of a little bit about this in Legion, could repurpose that and mold it or, you know, take over that aspect. It wouldn't be a wound, per se. It wouldn't be a sword or thorn in Azeroth's side. She could theoretically use it or consume it, right? That's that's one possible theory. The other thing is this might have been a way for Sargeras to intentionally keep Azeroth from hatching. And one of the things that I think people don't remember enough is that the entire concern of Sargeras and the the Titans originally was that the old gods, the Void Servants, Mm -hmm. would corrupt Azeroth and she would become a Void Titan. Well, with all this corruption that's been going on, and we don't know what Nazoth's been whispering to Azeroth, we know that he's been giving her nightmares. Heck, we interact with one of them. We are sent to deal with one of them at at several points of time. Look at the Emerald Nightmare. That Mm -hmm. whole thing, that's Nazoth's doing. Look at the Alduar Nightmare scenario where we go there with Magni. That's Nazoth's doing as well. Uh, look at the scenario that hits the heart chamber. Also Nazoth. Mm-hmm. It's all this sort of, again, corruption showing her that there's no path of victory, no path of life, unless she gives in and accepts the, the blessing of the void, blah, blah, blah. I actually think that Sargeras was trying to keep her from hatching and keep her in the state that she was in long enough to be cleansed. I'm not saying that he was doing it the right way. I'm not saying that it was like the nice guy Sargeras tip his, his trilby or anything like that. But I'm saying that he understood more than we did mm. what was happening. And I think that maybe that sword is there to keep her from hatching or fully evolving long enough to be perf- to be completely cleansed. Which, what did we just do? Right, gotcha. We end, we end Battle for Azeroth trying to take out the last of the old god corruption, right? So I think it'll be a thing that comes back when we come out of Shadowlands, right? I think that's another thing that will be dealt with afterwards. And I think that'll be something that happens specifically when we are getting ready to go fight whatever the Void Lords are. Because that's what Azeroth's purpose is supposed to be. And we still don't know what happens when a Titan hatches. But I would not be surprised if we get to see the birth of Azeroth and her wielding that sword to go slice up Koresh and go cut down a few Void Lords. So... This theme that I'm hearing quite a bit is that this is well. These aren't ignored or or uh, forgotten story beats. They're all kind of just groundwork being laid, and there's a, so much story going on that you can't possibly properly tell it all at once. So just chill out. Yeah, it's think of it like a series, uh, like a TV series, right? There, how many shows have laid the groundworks for their final episode of the season and? episode one right mm-hmm. that's kind of what this is that's sort of that mm-hmm. foreshadowing and we'll get that call back at least that's the way i view it i don't know i i'm 
I'm reasonably confident I'm right. Um, but I think that's more it. Well, I think Warcraft has been around long enough now that, you know, people are skeptical or that, you know, you see something like Legion and you're just like, oh, it's Burning Crusade 2.0. But then you realize it's not. And so we don't have the original story has been around long enough to where, you know, people love that. But now we're starting to get into some deeper, more, you know, it, it took time to get there kind of stories. And yeah. I think we are so used to this uh, here and now kind of format of, you know, these expansions are lasting about two years and you kind of want your two year story to be wrapped up in two years. And all of a sudden, when you realize it's not going to be, then, you know, you start to question whether or not Blizzard knows what they're doing or what's going on or the the, the Horde versus Alliance story is stupid or whatever. I'll, I'm going to give uh, a, a shout out to Ann Stickney for this one because... A long time ago, we were, we had a conversation about intermediate or interstitial expansions and why they're important. Uh, and a lot of people thought like Warlords of Draenor was one of those. And if you look back at it now, it really wasn't. It actually told a cohesive story, whether or not you liked it as a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. But from the start to the finish, it was exactly what it said it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, we, and if you look back at all the other expansions, when have we ever had an actual intermediate or interstitial expansion where the story wasn't just one arc when was there multiple arcs or multiple seeds being planted i don't think we ever have really i think that's just a better way of saying what i was trying to say (laughs) like (laughs) like you know it's been around long enough to where now they're actually able to tell these these deeper stories that get that have callbacks or that need the seeds planted or that need the groundwork done you know i mean when you're jumping into classic or burning crusade it's all new story at that time yeah and and going back to what we were t- I was talking about a little bit earlier with this was all basically a DD nerd's dream you have to bear that in mind too is a lot of these story lines a lot of these story arcs were one-off ideas that weren't necessarily meant to go where they went and a lot of them were whether we love them or not they were meant to be in those moments and then got carried on for years or got to be bigger things this is the first time I think we're going to see what happens with a lore team that's not shackled anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's that's really the important takeaway because now you have you have Christy Golden on that team. Mm-hmm. You have lore you have lore and story writers in uh, at Blizzard that actually care about curating and making sure everything lines up right and making sure that they have a plan going forward. And if you think that they haven't planned out what they're going to do with every little beat from this yeah. expansion, yeah. I, I, I mean, I got to, if you truly believe they didn't, I got a bridge to sell you. <laughs> yeah. At this point, you got it. You just got to know they're not making it up as they go along. There's, yeah. there's a lot more. There's a lot more too. Well, the way, so the way you're, 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 you're selling this to me, and you really are, because I haven't been a fan of this expansion <laughs> from, from the announcement at BlizzCon saying it was Horde versus Alliance. I haven't been a fan of this expansion. I really haven't. And, and you're really selling it to me more on being laying the groundwork because pretty much up until this point, you know, and as I think about it now, up until this point, the groundwork for World of Warcraft was pretty much laid, you know, Warcraft 1 and 2, a lot of Warcraft 3 was like laying the groundwork for everything we've had up to Legion. And we've kind of run the course of all of those storylines that were, were, the groundwork was laid in those first three games. So now... Mm-hmm. That's what this is doing. It's it's like the new Warcraft three. It's laying the groundwork for you know the next fifteen years, and 
And the more you talk and explain that to us, I, I can see that now. Okay, you know, it's like World of Warcraft 1, now we're in like World of Warcraft 2 going forward. If you want to, you and know, you can almost put it that way. That's a great way to put it, too, actually. Uh, I really like that, uh, that comparison because it's true. If you look at the Warcraft 1, 2, and 3, uh, and even Reign of Chaos to uh, the Frozen Throne, how those games evolved and how the story in those mm -hmm. games evolved, they were leaps between each other, right? Yeah. Like Warcraft 1, priests were still priests that served, you know, God, not the light. Uh, the Legion was demons, not fell creatures that were once, you know, light. They were like biblical demons. Mm -hmm. uh, and that sort of evolved. And then that became different in Warcraft 2. And then Warcraft 3, there was uh, a complete world was made out of these little ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is sort of that leap. And I don't think Battle for Azeroth was going to be an expansion that made anybody happy on the story front, uh, at least not initially. I think yeah. this is one of those expansions that people are going to look back on and are going to start to realize, like, the things that I'm laying out, like, th this is the next evolution. This is that breaking point. This is bringing all those other stories to a close so that they can do new things. And then when we get those new things, we're going to be so appreciative of it, but it's going to be, I don't think anybody's really going to, appreciate what happened until they look at it in hindsight mm -hmm. yeah and that, isn't that the truth yeah but it even it even you know as i'm thinking about it more it even it even ties even more into the trailer for shadowlands mm -hmm. because the big theme of warcraft 3 was like the lich king right and then that that is carried through and the trailer for shadowlands it was destroying the lich king Yep, Lich King's no more. That crown so is gone. Like, there can be no more Lich King. It's done. Mm -hmm. You know, and now yep. we're moving forward with new stuff. So yeah, I'm really glad we had you on the show. <laughs> it's making me feel way better yeah, about this expansion than I did before. I know before. we've got a lot more stuff to talk about, but I'm like, I'm, I feel, I just feel good now. Well, I mean, and, and there are a few other story things that actually feed into this as well, too. Like, look at Kalia, uh, Kalia Menethil. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about Kalia. Okay. So... <laughs> From the very, very beginning, before the expansion ever released, when we had Before the Storm, written by Christy Golden, an absolutely amazing book, you should listen to it, I'll, you know, or read it or whatever, go ahead and find it in any way you can. Uh, it sets up the entire expansion. It sets up the mindset of Sylvanas. It sets up the plight of the Forsaken, a group that has really been underserved for a lot of years, because as much as you may love or hate Sylvanas, whether you are a loyalist or not... She wasn't forsaken. She never was a forsaken. Yeah. She wasn't mm -hmm. decaying in the same way. She was always a station above them. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't of those people. She was an outsider ruling them because who are the forsaken? They're Lordaeron. They're people of Lordaeron. She's a high elf. It, it, like there's a disparity there beyond anything else. So she can't equate to them. But now you have before the storm where you start to understand more about that sort of gulf between them. Here, the Forsaken want to have a normal life again. They want to at least feel normal. They know that they're decaying. They know that they're dead. They know that they're stuck where they are, but maybe they can go see their family again. Maybe they can see little Billy grow up and, and have a wife and kids and, and, you know, maybe make something of himself and live a happy life and feel fulfilled. And maybe that speaks to me because of my, my Hispanic roots, but I kind of understand that. That's sort of like what we're taught our ancestors would do, right? They would look down upon us and, and want us to have that. And then you get to see Kalia, who is of these people, who cares about these people, who doesn't care that they're, they're rotting corpses. Mm -hmm. She sees yeah. the souls inside of them. And then Sylvanas cuts her down. And at the end of, of uh, 
before the storm, she is raised again. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really spoiling anything. The book's been out for two years, folks. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> Uh, but she's raised not as Sylvanas was. She it wasn't an unwilling servant. She wasn't a soul shoved into a corpse body uh, or a soul ripped out of a body and forced to serve. She is a creature of light and death that has been reborn, but she's chosen to come back. And that's something that they made a point to show in that book. And now, as we move through the war campaign in specific, whether you love or hate the war campaign... I think that the Alliance side was actually way more important than the Horde side. No matter no matter what anybody says about which one was better or worse, whatever, I think the storyline here on the Alliance side is the most important part because Kalia does all these things where she's trying to figure out her new path. She's not only trying to figure out her new path, she's helping Derek Proudmore, who has been raised from the dead, initially supposed mm-hmm. to be a weapon to be used against Gina, but now he's free. And she is, though. Well, I think he is. I think I think Kalia would know. I'm gonna. Yeah, I think if they were pulling a sneaky with that, it would have been revealed already. Yeah, yeah I think Jaina would have already been attacked because I don't think Kalia would be the mark. <laughs> because at the time they didn't know Kalia existed. Because don't forget, like Sylvanas didn't know that Kalia was there until the very very end. Uh, but the important. Th- Sorry, go ahead. Do you consider the uh, the Bwamsamdi stuff? part of the war campaign or the the Vulgin horde bomb zombie do you consider that part of the war campaign or do you consider that i don't think that's really war campaign i think that's more main story i think the war, I, i'm war with you all stuff. the way the 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 alliance side of the story has been by leaps and bounds better than, than the hordes yeah and especially when you get to that end point right because what does Kalia do at the end of that war campaign you have lillian voss who reaches out to her Not just because, uh, you know, oh, we need a new leader. No, it's because she's seen what she can do. She's seen what she did for Derek. She's seen the honor, the care that she gave to that people. And on the Horde side with like the Zealot stuff, you see that Lillian Voss actually cares and wants to make a better life and wants to have that life again. She doesn't want to serve. She doesn't want to be this rotting corpse that just hates everything. And then you get to this where... Not only does Kalia show up and say, hey, I'm here to lead my people with Derek, but then you see all of these disenfranchised night elves that were raised to serve the Banshee Queen come out and go, okay, well, maybe she can help us too. And this is sort of an important moment because Kalia, a new character, a new guard, I will say, Mm -hmm. uh, who has roots in the old guard, is potentially going to breathe new life into a specific race that has had nothing for so Mm -hmm. long. And they're actually going to feel important and cohesive. At least I believe so under her. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a big (laughs) deal, man. Yeah. That's always, that's been a point of contention for a long time when it comes to the forsaken, that, Mm -hmm. you know, especially, I I don't know. I I don't play one. Uh, I have in the past messed around with them, but like as a playable race, you, you want something more, right. And her personal journey of, like we're we're not done yet. This isn't this isn't our story. It's just being this crusty, decaying shell. You know, we're we're not done. There's, yeah. there's a lot of I don't know. Redemption's not the right word, but well, if you, you know. think about it too, all their major NPCs over the years have just been villains. You have plague doctors that cause the Wrathgate. You have oh, right. You know, mad scientists that are burying people <clears throat> up to their necks and and trying to harvest them like pumpkins. And you have all these weird moments, even like with uh, Wrath of the Lich King. 
like those are forsaken essentially like under his control doing weird experimentations on other folks like it's they've had sort of like they've never had a moment to be anything more than a villain mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. now Callie gives them that moment like every other horde race except for goblins has at least one redeeming quality uh, except for goblins <laughs> <laughs> I mean what's the redeeming quality they're greedy uh <laughs> Their voice lines are funny. That's yeah, fair. <laughs> but yeah, that's not a redeeming quality. But like you have the honor of the Torn in all flavors. You have the the orcs who, I mean, their history has been written all over the place. Same with the trolls. I mean, they all have sort of this important, almost heroic stature about them in certain contexts, whether it's standing up to the Legion or fighting back against the Quillbor or standing up for their friends or whatever the case is. And then you have the Forsaken. We died. We got raised. We served the Lich King. We ate our friends. They got raised too. Now we live inside of a sewer. Like that's been their sort of shtick for all these years. And now they actually mm-hmm. have the chance to be something more because of what happened in this expansion. So that's my take on it. At least gnomes get something really good. Forsaken gets something really good out of it. So hit me up. What else? What else do you guys want to know about? Well, where, where was that? I feel like there's still some more of the kind of the rest of the expansion story. Did we, do we miss anything? I mean, we didn't, we didn't talk about. I can't remember the name of that other raid, the little mini raid. Oh, oh the uh, the weird the grotto, shrine, the shrine of the yeah, not the shrine of the janky loot two box. Yeah, that, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I don't really count that as as anything major because that was sort of like the transition or introduction more into Nazoth stuff, uh-huh. which was already sort of happening. So I kind of just put that in part and parcel with. Them. I need to go and look again, but I feel like in. Stormsong Valley. There was some. There was some weird area going on over there that you could not. If if you tried to fly into it, it gave you like this this debuff, like you were getting mind controlled, and then it threw you out of it. And oh yeah, when you went over when you when you went over the Deep Temple, which is uh, I forgot what area that was. It it's directly south of the Shrine of Storms or whatever it is. Yeah, um, yeah, where because, the world boss is over there. Like, yeah, it, you basically can't fly over it. You get basically stripped out of the air and knocked down. Mm-hmm. Um, that was more tied into Shrine of the Storms than anything else. So when you do the the actual dungeon and stuff like that, that's sort of what you're dealing. Kind of felt like there was there was going to be more than than that. And, and when uh, when Eternal Palace or Nihilotha came out, I, I thought there was just going to be more, but it. Never really happens. Yeah, Stormsong is sort of a weird one, right? Because it's it also shows again. This is more Nazathi stuff, right? And this was sort of the the precursor when the expansion first released. That if you went through and did the Stormsong Valley storyline, beyond all the Horde invasion stuff and the Horde war on the people of Stormsong, uh, you started to learn the more more importantly that Nazoth was active, right? Because Drustar was dealing with all of the Drust uh, and dealing with sort of, again, this whole thematic thing of, of people coming back from the dead and these mystic death druids, essentially, um, had nothing to do with Nazoth, had nothing to do with anything else that was really going on anywhere else in the expansion. Uh, but again, hey, look at that. Nuggets for Shadowlands. Go figure. Um, <laughs> but then you have Stormsong, which was the first hint that it wasn't going to be about the war between the Alliance and the Horde. And it's almost like a perfect microcosm of it. It starts off with this massive battle between the two factions, and then you start seeing tentacle guys moving around. And then you start to see humans who have given into Nazoth and now have weird squid faces. Uh, you start to see messengers of the void, void elementals. You start seeing faceless ones. 
and they exist here and very few exist elsewhere. Like even in Nazmir, there's a very few amount of those, right? There's like one area, there's mm-hmm. one temple where they're trying to do something, but it's not the main story. The main story there is Cahoon and the, the being the old God of blood and doing the corruption of the, the blood trolls and that whole thing. But storm songs, the first time you start to see there's something more than the war going. And that sort of big importance of that zone. That makes sense. So now that you mentioned the zone and, and um, that area, there was the, it was right around that same area where that world boss is. There was that little, it was like a cellar of a wrecked building. And it was like a weekly quest you got. What, what was the point of that chain? Like, I clearly oh, didn't pay right. enough attention to the story. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? I, it felt like an alliance thing, so I didn't go over and do it all the time. Like yeah, I, I think I've only done it. I only did it a couple times. Oh, okay. Like, I completed it till it stopped giving me the quest every week, but I don't know what the point of it was. Like, I, I, I just don't know. Uh, that was the one with the spirits, right? Yeah, it was like some guy in a base in the cellar, and, and yeah, he just had a quest, like a new quest every week, and then you'd finish it, and then he'd tell you to come back next week. Yeah, it was like the all the Nazoth servants over there. Yeah, and then of, it just stopped. You were just yeah, it was kind of a weekly thing, but I don't know. Or I think, I think that was leading into the to that mini raid and stuff too. Or it was been. possibly with all the spirit stuff and dealing with uh, sort of the more spiritual nature of it. It's also entirely possible that it's something that we'll see more of in I don't know Shadowlands. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. It, Possibly. Because there's a lot of ghost stuff in this expansion that's just not dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this is a, like, that set of quest lines from what I saw of it are very sympathetic to the Drustfar things, and the Drustfar things are very sympathetic to the Wamsamdi things, and that's all leading into what's going to happen in the next expansion. So, again, this is, I think, another case of Stormsong being a perfect microcosm of this expansion. Gotcha. Yeah, how how it wasn't entirely Horde versus Alliance. It was the the bigger picture with Nazoth. There was. I actually really liked. I know pe- most people will tell you this that Drustfar was probably their favorite Alliance sum, but Stormsong was kind of was kind of up there for me. I liked the the whole thing leading into the. I don't know. I guess it was the well, exactly what you're saying. The bigger picture of the of the expansion, Nazoth. Yeah. The weird. It was creepy in a, in a different way, not in a in the spooky Dressfire way, but it was creepy in a very different way. Yeah, Dressfire was very much death, 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 death. This was a little more sinister, I think. And and that's, I think, part of its strength is because it was, it was almost like watching an old horror movie in which, like, you think that the storyline is very straightforward, but then you get all these undercurrents that start shooting off all these different subplots and all these different threads that could lead you to a million different places. The mm-hmm. Nazoth stuff, the Tide to the Death stuff, the Tide Sages was sort of a huge thing for, for Stormsong Valley because Tide Sages were not something we really knew about. They're essentially elemental wizards of water, and they're as close to shamanism as we've ever seen humans get. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of an important thing because we heard all these years about shamanism and dealing with the spirits and, and how Titanforged have done all this stuff. But we've never really seen humans do that before. We've heard that they could, being descendants of Rykrul, but we've never seen it. Here we do. So I, I think I think Stormsong was more important than people gave it credit for in that regard. I also find it very funny how many people hated Stormsong Valley, like when they first did it. And I'm guilty ah. of that too. 
but then looking back at it after everything's said and done, you can kind of see where the pieces started falling into place. Although I still don't have any idea what the, the bee stuff was for, because, I mean, honeybees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was just to get... Like, get them uh, out. Introduce yeah. them out. <laughs> um, you know, it's so weird because everyone's uh, everyone's approach is slightly different. I didn't hate Storm Song at all, but I'm a horde player who did Alliance leisurely, uh, um, you know, at my own pace and mm-hmm. going through and doing a lot of that stuff, you know. Or Daryl and I were doing some of it together, yeah, and, yeah. and I'd leveled some alts over there, and it was just it was a very different thing to to go and do that and to see that the Alliance story felt. A lot different. It felt I don't know. The most of the Alliance story, the Jaina story was pretty good. I guess the Jaina, the uh, the Jaina story was the equivalent of the Horde's Vulgen story. Then, right? I think it's a little bit more than that. So, like B- BFA's uh, Vulgen story is still going, right? Like it's not done. Jaina's mm-hmm. story was sort of I, I don't want to say be- it wasn't a coming of age story because she was already she's already done that. It was a coming home, becoming a whole story. So for all these years, Jaina has had all these pieces taken from her. Her dad, her brother, uh, her homeland. Like, Don't forget, she was not allowed to go back to Kul for all these years because she was seen as the reason for the Lord Admiral's death. Uh, right. That's such a core part of her taking away. Then you have the disaster of Theramore and that whole tragedy. Then you have the whole thing with Caligos. Uh, and she just can't win, right? And she's one of those characters that just everything was systematically taken from her time and time and time again. But then you look at Battle for Azeroth, and it starts with her sweeping back in on this amazing ghost ship. Mm-hmm. And she comes to save her friends. And essentially, at this point, what's left of her family in Anduin, right? Because for lack of a better term, she's like the older sister that he never had. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, she wasn't there when the Legion was attacking, she wasn't there when Varian died. Would Varian have still died if she had been there? Probably not. She probably feels guilt for that as well. That's still not dealt with, but she comes home. She deals with the tragedy of her father's death. She deals with the loss of her brother and everything else. And her story is becoming whole again. It's she regains her family in multiple ways. Her mother takes her back and accepts her again. Her brother comes back literally from the dead. Uh, you have her accepted by the people of Kaltiris again. She is the Lord Admiral now. Like, mm-hmm. she is literally given back almost everything that was taken away from her. And she's done so in a way that she's no longer a broken character, right? Like, that was one of the biggest things moving into this expansion is Jaina had been done dirty all these years. And her character was just broken and weak. And, like, she had all this power of an Archmage. But she never did anything with it. She was always suing for peace when she should be going for war. She trusted when she shouldn't have. Now she's older. She's wiser. And everything that happens with her in this expansion is making things with her right again. And I thought that was sort of one of the most important things because I love Jaina as a character. And she finally got at least somewhat of her due. I think she did. I think they took some time to focus on her. But she's kind of a fan favorite. So it wasn't yeah. wasn't really that hard to do. Sure. And they did a good job with the story. I don't, it was what it was. You know, it was kind of, you know, pulling her back out of this kind of hole that she's been in. And the, you know, after everything that happened with Theramore and and Legion and her just kind of losing her crap, you know, I think people assumed. And then, especially making her a raid boss, we assumed that she was just going to 
end up ultimately dying uh, an, an anti-hero or I don't I don't know the right term, but no. And that, that was a big fear that I think everybody brought up. I, yeah. I, I heard it echoed a lot, but thankfully that wasn't the case. And she was unlike some other characters that happen to be female that Blizzard has written over the years. She, I think, got a little bit better of a shake out of it. And I'm hoping that now leading into it, we have a similar thing going on with Tehran, who has had everything taken from her, who has given herself over to vengeance. Uh, and that's sort of an important storyline where we're we're at now, which we haven't even covered yet. And I'll, I'll try to go through very, very quickly. Um, you know, you have Tehran, who almost loses her husband, who loses uh, all of the 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 citizens of, of her great tree. Uh, and then you have her losing friends and family somebody who she considers her daughter basically walking out on her. All these things happen, and she is consumed by a vengeance that she cannot cash in yet, right? Because the Banshee mm -hmm. Queen got away. And so now we're starting to see, I don't want to say a similar arc for Jaina, but there's that sort of potential where she could actually be something after so many expansions of being on a shelf. Uh, we mm -hmm. talked about the possibility of her becoming the Warhawk of the Alliance, I'm fine with that. I could see her raising an army of unified elves of all types. Could you imagine her going and going to these druids of the flame and be like, you're still druids. You want to, you want to go burn the horde down? I mean, that's what you wanted to do in the first place. Let's, let's, let's join up again. Or, oh, wow. You, uh, you, you are other types of elves that have all sorts of weird powers and everybody sort of writes you off. Come join us. And then you get yeah, all sorts of weird walks mm -hmm. of life. Mm hmm. Because when's the last time the elves have been united? You also have that storyline going on with the Horde side where um, the Blood Elves and even the Nightborn are sort of cut off from the rest of the Horde, right? They're the only ones in their respective areas. And for the Blood Elves, well, Lions are probably going to come knocking at some point or another. Uh, but what would happen if they were all united under the Elves under Taronda just said, screw it, we know better than both factions, let's just go take care of business. What about Druids of the Fang? We know that uh, Goldrin is out there still. Mm -hmm. he's still. He's been, you know, purely brought up. We know that there are still Night of Worgen around. Um, they're probably not too happy with the whole Teldrassil burning thing. Uh, you have Malfurion, who was the original creator of the accidental Worgen curse by going with the Druids of the Fang. What about bringing those back? You have all these things there to make a very compelling elf story as well, and that's all throughout the course of this expansion, where they just sort of led to the elves just no longer taking any crap from anybody. Yeah, the whole... Uh, that was another story that felt like it kind of fell off, right? It was the Tyrandus thing, and she kind of took off to... Mm -hmm. Well, I guess like when you met up with Malfurion, and, and I'm trying to remember now, was that was that the end of Legion, or was that part of the war campaign when you, when you were out with Malfurion, and the what's-his-name came in through, the axe at him in the forest out there? War campaign. Yeah, when Sarfang did that. Yeah, like yeah. that just that felt like it had a lot of momentum for a while, and then all of a sudden it was just like, oh, never mind. Yeah, and then you have her basically reenact the end times where she gives herself over to the eclipse of the moon. Yeah, but yeah, and there's an alliance story where you can unlock the. I think it's a. It's just a aesthetic. The eyes for night elves for yeah. the for the war. I don't know what I can't remember what they're called, but they're essentially eclipsed eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And they tell us again that this is they they flat out told us that this is a story see that we're going to see in Shadowlands, um, where that's going to lead. They haven't really done anything else with her yet. Um, I'm almost hoping that we're going to get a sneak cinematic or something 
or a sneak pre-Shadowlands patch or event that deals with Tyrande and what she's doing because she's retreated to Hyjal. She literally has the high ground against all of Azeroth at this point. Um, we She could do literally anything she wants, and I just want them to do something before Shadowlands hits. Because, again, I feel like that's another storyline that I don't want to say hasn't gone anywhere, mm-hmm. but it's these seeds that were planted, and we just have to wait for them to bear fruit. And I hope that they bear fruit soon. I have a question, and it's a little bit different than, than what we've been. <laughs> okay. On. Uh, you know, it was, <laughs> you kind of it got the wheels turning, though, when you were talking <laughs> about potentially uniting all these other. So, having now the last two expansions, uh, exp- Blizzard experimented with allied races. What do you think are, what would be your hope for uh, a horde in an alliance allied race? What would be your biggest? They, they obvious, they should be doing this. <laughs> they would make your day. Give me Tuscar. Tuscar. 100%. 100%. They, they were the first race that Helia ever messed with because mm-hmm. during the Frozen Throne, Helia's goons were messing with them looking for powerful artifacts. She was possessing their bodies and raising their dead. And we haven't dealt with that at all. We didn't deal with that in Legion. We didn't deal mm-hmm. with that anywhere. And we're literally going to the Shadowlands, and we know Helia's still alive and doing stuff. Give me Tuscar. Let mm-hmm. me be a fish totem throwing dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. So would they be? Uh, they'd be Alliance, I'm assuming. I'd say neutral faction. Let everybody have them. Oh yeah. Oh, well, there you neutral. go. There you go. I like it. Well, we all haven't right. had it. We haven't had a neutral faction since Pandaren. Yeah, that's true. <sighs> Yeah, yep, and we know. I mean, and now with uh, lifting so many of the restrictions, like on Death Knights, can be basically anything now, right? Yep. All right. So, so why not? Tus- Tuscar, why not? neutral faction, and one more. Oh, it doesn't, so- doesn't matter. Horde or Alliance. There's so many though. That's the problem. They could do so, this for eons. I I I was kind of surprised that with uh, Magnums becoming a faction, that the uh, the Alliance Nazjatar. I don't even know what they're called. The the Finn people. Yeah. The last uh, time it was anchor people. Now it's Finn people. Like, <laughs> the the uh, those guys. When you got into Nazjatar, the Alliance side dudes. Uh, I, was, and Cohen. Yeah. And Cohen. On, yeah. I was kind of surprised that wasn't on the list, but. Well, I mean, it's it's in the same vein as the Junyu, right? Like, why haven't the Junyu become a playable race either, or yeah. the Hosen for that matter? Um, or not? I think. <laughs> I think that they were a little on the nose as, as which is why they aren't a playable faction. Um, cause they're essentially, they're essentially fish elves, right? That's kind of what they are. Yeah. So I could see why they wouldn't do that because the Gelbin, the fishy goblins are just other goblins. So I could see why yeah. they wouldn't want to give either faction either of those, but I was surprised too. I, I, th- I thought they would have. Daryl, what about you? What would be your top, uh, your top two? Oh jeez! And alliance allied races. Oh, that's a good question. I don't even know. Or even one, two, maybe. Uh, I'm trying to think of them. They were in Legion as well, Uh, or not Legion Wrath. I think we first saw them. Um, Another Torin offshoot. The Tonka. Yeah, that's it. That's 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 what I'm looking for. Those ones. That was another one. Yeah, those dudes out there. We get high mountain, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I get. I mean, if they would have started the the alliance, the allied races thing sooner, I think maybe some of the older options would have would have found their way in but i mean at right. that point give us give us wolvar and oracles then too oracles yep well what about you rob what do you what would you put in what would you like to see 
Well, that's what I was saying. The the on Koa is that what they're? Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah, those guys and uh, for Horde, I don't know, man. Like, what are we missing on the Horde? We got Volpira. Oh, the snaky snakes, people. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> the Sethralis, the, the, the Sethrak, yeah, or whatever they are. Yeah. yeah, like that seemed like it seemed like Volpira and Sethrak were going to be the the choices, but somehow it ended up with Mechanomes. So. <laughs> yeah, I was actually a little surprised with that too, but I mean, it was a really good excuse to update gnomes, so I'm not going to complain too hard, especially, I again, I think it was intentional. I think that it plays into the, the whole thing of that gnomes are going to be more important to the story in, in the very, very near future, mm-hmm. and so giving mecha gnomes sort of supports that a little bit. I think that was, I think that was intentional. Yeah, it was, and you know, so many of these, as we've learned tonight especially, so many of these story threads had a lot more weight to them when you go back and look at it even if in the moment you didn't were particularly impressed you know mm-hmm. maybe that's just me but I, I really do feel like like this has done me mentally it's been refreshing to to talk and think about some of this stuff and realize that it is uh it's it's very intentional it's not being just uh even though sometimes it feels like being thrown out there as as we're wading through it but it is intentional and it's good stuff and I mean, and to, to sort of just put a little umbrella over it, this is all the bare bones stuff of it. So uh, I could sit here for probably a good six hours if with full recaps from start to finish. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and I'm trying to, for brevity's sake, I'm trying not to. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's one of those things where now that everything is out in the expansion, if you were, if you're listening to this and you haven't played all throughout it, or you took a break and you're considering coming back. I'm going to throw it out there that maybe now is a good time to try it and see if you can go through the story with sort of what I've given you in mind. And I think you'll see it and go through those those quests and dig deeper because there's a lot going on this expansion. There's so many small quests that actually feed into the major stories of each of the zones that feed into the major stories of the expansion mm-hmm. that feed into those seeds that we talk about for the next 15 years of gameplay. So do yourself a favor. And even if you don't, even if you don't want to play, there's a ton of videos out there. Um, I'm not trying to just plug my own stuff out there, but we cover a lot of this stuff on lore watch too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I highly recommend like, if you just want the story and don't want to bother playing, check us out too. We do recaps. We do stuff like this. We answer questions about very specific content uh, and find other things to get it. But it's, I think it's worthwhile if you ever intend to play this game again. So one thing that, that I did as a, kind of an experiment but turns out it was something that would probably be pretty good uh the shadowlands pre-purchase like most pre-purchases come with a boost uh okay. at this right now it's a 120 boost i think it drops you in at a 390 item level and uh, it is extremely easy to get caught up on the content if you're wanting to just see the war campaign none of it's gated anymore none yep, of this play right through you don't have to. None of it's time gated. None of it's raid gated. Mm-hmm. Any raid quests that you have to do, uh, you you can do the quests and it does give them to you, but they're not required for you in order for you to move on. So, you know, all the way back from uh, old deer to all the Cahoon stuff going on. If you're interested in the Vulgin story, uh, where he sends you on the hunt to try and figure out exactly who's behind everything and who who's the one that told him to name Sylvanas, which we still don't know, but 
all of that, all the Jaina storyline, everything is very, very easy to get through. It's very easy to upgrade your gear. It's very easy to get a few like decent essences. Like it's all, it's all there. Like literally just for doing the pre-order. So, like like Joe said, if you're wanting to see the story at all, the zones, it's it's super accessible right now. Yeah, and it's the ideal time. Like mm-hmm. the end of the expansion is always the ideal time to get in and get caught up. So highly recommend. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of people, if they have friends that are raiding, you can get into uh, you know whatever, get get carried or jump in on some progression. You know, it's a for that. So. Daryl, what do you think? What did you use your boost on? I haven't used it yet. Really? Yeah. I used mine on a Volparin one. Yeah, I know what you use it on. But... It's been super super cool. Like I kind of like. I don't know. What happens is I, I am like, oh, man, I would really like to do this. And then you do it, and it's kind of fun, or it's interesting. Then you go and you like take it into a raid, and you're like, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> this isn't quite what I was hoping for, but yeah. But, I mean, that's not to say that it can't be done. I'm, I think I'm like 450-something, and as of next week, I won't have the essence problem anymore. So mm-hmm. it's like... Yeah, it's all good. Joe, have you used your, uh, have you done the boost or pre-order or any of that yet? Oh, yeah. So my uh, my lovely Volpera Death Knight got boosted. Well, ah, there you I go. had some Battle.net balance and my Death Knight became a Volpera as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Getting in there, messing around with them. I'm like, these are kind of awesome. Super, super fun animations and I couldn't resist yeah. playing a Death Knight because they're unkillable. Nice. Except for, uh, I don't know if it's if it's a melee thing or what, but like some of their, I had this problem for a little while on my Blood Off Death Knight when they had kind of retooled some things. Every single time you did, I think it was a death strike. The the yell that happened was like like I don't know, man. I could I couldn't take it, <laughs> and I've noticed that it was just like Meh! like the Volparin have a similar thing too. When you're in there doing melee stuff, it's like. A little cringy how much the how much of the yelling starts to happen <laughs> it's kind of it's worth it it's awesome <laughs> nice yeah all right well i think that might be a good place to wrap it up though uh joe is there any last point you want to make before we do finish this out like i i've said it a few times but i'll just reiterate it one last time give this expansion a chance especially now play through it give it a try especially if you care about that story uh now is the ideal time play through the zones completely too they don't take long especially if you're already max level uh it's it's worth it it's worth it and sort of just keep it in mind for when the next one drops where everything that you see in this expansion because you're going to see those threads start to unravel Mm -hmm. just a little bit i would say that that's what playing through the story this expansion is probably what makes it more important than than even the other ones looking at it now knowing how how many of those threads are going to be leading into future content all right well uh i guess we didn't plug our twitter earlier but um if you want to get a hold of us you can do it at our twitter at training dummies rob is at rob copeland myself daryl is at daryl underscore ttd we also have a discord server where we post our upcoming shows once a month if we have one <laughs> so you can check out discord.me slash ttd it seems fate has brought us together you have my gratitude. <laughs> we make a great team. Uh, I'm sure glad you're around. Well, if it ain't my favorite person. You have your uses, don't you? You have quite a talent there. Together, our victory is assured. 
good enough. All right, Joe, do you have any shout outs this evening? Uh, I would like to shout out to the WoW community. Uh, over the last couple weeks, I've, uh, or I should say it's been a little bit longer than that now, uh, but I recently took over as the host of Lore Watch, uh, and I took over as the second seat on the Blizzard Watch podcast, and the response from the WoW community has been absolutely humbling, so I want to thank everybody out there. Uh, sometimes y'all remind me how awesome you are. Do you need me to remind you how awesome I am? I think you're pretty awesome all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob, what do you have for shoutouts other than yourself? Uh, man, I don't know. My wife for putting up with my crap. But uh, Daryl, thanks for scheduling, Joe. Really appreciate that, man. Joe is always a treat to have on. Uh, Joe, definitely for you for uh, for coming back on and talking some sense and uh, this crusty old people <laughs> who are getting all get off my porch about BFA. Uh, to the raid team who have been plugging away and even though some of these bosses are absolute bs we're we're having a blast and we're still in there doing pretty good with progression so uh shout out to those guys and to uh, everybody who has been waiting for this episode for all three of you who have been just dying for this episode daryl what about you well yeah i'm not sure how much i can add to that um yeah what you said raid team joe thanks again um you 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 definitely put this expansion in a better light than it was an hour and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> in my head, for sure, anyway. Um, yeah, so yeah, big thanks. And uh, yeah, Rob, thanks again for always uh, being there. All right. Um, Joe, what is your contact information if anyone wants to get a hold of you about this or anything else? So if anybody wants to uh, hear my lovely voice again, you can always find me at blizzardwatch.com in the podcast section, uh, as well as in the Blizzard Watch Discord. Uh, and if you want to poke at me on Twitter, stop on by, y'all, and say hello. Uh, my handle is loaderzj, L-U-D-U-R-Z-J. Say hi. This is I'd you who gets the fundle. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> that, that does it. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been episode 248 of the Training Dummies podcast. I'm not even going to bother with all the other stuff because I think Daryl just ran that down. So thank you so much. We will see you all next time. It's advice you can trust from people you shouldn't.